You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Thank you, Pastor Rachel, and we are live. We are glad that you're tuning in, and we just believe that this morning God has a word for you, and he's got a word for us as a church and for our community, and we're so glad that you're here. Like Pastor Rachel was saying, this season our theme has been that the idea that the greatest gifts meet needs, not wants, and we want to partner together to meet some needs, and so we do want to encourage you to stop by on Tuesday afternoon. Bring some needs for love and action and love in the name of Christ in Muskegon and in Grand Haven. And those, all those gifts will be given this year before Christmas. And so we want you to partner with us. Well, this morning we are in the third week of our Christmas series. Christmas is here. Merry Christmas. And we're so glad that you're here. And we believe that as you share and as you like what's happening right now, that the ripple effect will make a difference. Think of someone in your life right now that could use a great, inspiring message from the Word of God. And I would encourage you to share this like this. I'm curious today, what is on your Christmas wish list this year? We're just a couple days away from Christmas, and I'm sure that you have a gift in mind, something that you want, something that you're believing for, right? And maybe I just, right where you are, comment, what are you wanting this year? What is it on your list? Or what is it that your kids are wanting? But don't give it away that you got it. Don't mess up on that. So I'm wondering, as you list your wish, list, have you ever put something on your wish list that was, it seemed in your mind, an impossibility? Something you really did not believe that you would receive, but it's a wish list. You'll put it on there anyway, right? And uh, for me, if I was going to put something on my wish list this year that I just didn't believe I was going to get, I'd probably put on there a Rolex Submariner, right? It's kind of like, if you know what Rolex is, it's kind of a luxury brand, and it's kind of the quintessential watch. It's kind of iconic, and, and it's totally unattainable for me for the vase this year. And I get that. But after all, it's a wish list. But I was thinking, if I was Elon Musk, I could probably do it. He's the founder of Tesla and of SpaceX, if you don't know. He's the third wealthiest person in the world, according to Forbes magazine, in December 2020. They listed that. And he is a multi, multi, let me say again, multi billionaire with a B. According to Forbes this year, Elon Musk added to his net worth $55 billion in 2020. That's his estimate gain. Just to put that into perspective, per day, that's $152 million per day he earned this year. That's $6.3 million per hour. 
That's $106,000 per minute. And get this, per second, Elon Musk in the last, this last year has earned $1,700. That's more than the majority of us are even going to consider spending on Christmas this year. And so on his wish list, it would take him six seconds to buy that Rolex Submariner that I would want. <laughs> and just, it's like, man, that's, it's kind of hard to even, even imagine. But if you were Elon Musk, what would be on your wish list? Come on, put it in there. Let's dream big. Is it a new car? Or if you're a kid, maybe it's that PS5. Or maybe you want a snowmobile or a new vacation home in the Bahamas. Or maybe you want to take a trip to the moon. Come on, let's think big, right? I don't know. But today, when we think about impossibilities and things that only Elon Musk could afford, I want us to unpack a message talking about the impossible. I believe God has put something on my heart. And what I believe is that there we can tap into God's power and the impossibility can be possible through the gift of a miracle. The gift of a miracle. So let's try to sidetrack the Elon Musk stuff just for a second. And let's re be reminded that so far in this series called Christmas Wish List that we've looked at some of our greatest needs. What are those great needs that we have, right? We've said so far that there is a need in our community, in our world today for peace. We, in a, in a year that's been full of turmoil, we need peace. And oftentimes, peace is achieved through the gift of forgiveness. And when we tap into forgiveness, when we forgive ourselves, when we forgive others, it allows for there to be peace. We also said last week that we, we have a need for hope. Some of us can get hopeless, and this year in particular, we could be mo moving through the year and feeling down, feeling depressed, feeling like there's no hope. And we serve a God of hope, right? And we serve a God of another chance. He gives us another chance and another chance. And so if you've messed up, if you've made a mistake, come on, let's just believe that God is a God that gives another chance. Well, we want to talk about one more need today. And then next week we'll do the same. Today we're going to focus on our need for the impossible. And we're going to look at the gift of a miracle, especially at Christmas time. And I'm wondering how many of you have ever had a legitimate need that seemed impossible to meet. Have you ever had one of those days where everything goes wrong and the need kind of comes to the forefront? Or one of those weeks or months or years, 2020, for example, and the need before you seems impossible? Well, early in our marriage, Jessica and I, this was before we had kids. We were still in, in um, uh, just cutting our teeth in ministry. I was a kids pastor in those days. And this was even before we had Reagan, our daughter. Uh, in one week, we had two cars, and in both cases, the transmissions went out. And as a young adult in ministry, not making a lot of money, we thought the need in front of us was an impossibility. But we did come and we did pray. We had the kids in our kids' ministry pray, and God started to work. But you say, well, what did you do? Well, this was pre-Dave Ramsey day, so don't 
throw, don't be too much of a hater. Uh, we decided to finance one of the transmissions with 90 days, same as cash. We, we said, all right, we've got to fix at least one of these cars, and so we made that decision right away. But after we prayed with the kids in our kids' ministry, one of the volunteers in our kids' ministry said, hey, we'd like to cover the need and pay for one of the transmissions and it was like, oh my goodness, God is working. And then within a few days after that, we had kind of shared the need and somebody that was connected to a friend of a friend gave Jessica and me a 1994 Acura Legend, and it only had 60,000 miles, and they had just put four brand new Michelin tires, so over $600 worth of tires on it. It was an incredible, can I say this? I can't say it enough. It was a miracle for us in that day. And what did we learn when we experienced that miracle in our lives? We experienced a miracle, and we learned that when we need a miracle, we need to go to Jesus. We brought it to the Lord, and He provided. By the way, the one car after it was fixed, we were able to bless a single mom with that car, and uh, she drove it for about six months, and then she drove it off of a cliff. She was okay, but she totaled the car. And so anyway, uh, that's just kind of a fun end of the story. But anyway, there's a story in the Bible that I've been drawn to this season regarding the gift of a miracle. And it's interesting. It's not a Christmas story, but I do want to encourage you on Christmas Eve to join us at 5 o'clock or anytime after 5 o'clock for our candlelight interactive service where we will talk about the Christmas story, I promise. But the story I've been drawn to is in John chapter 4, and you can open up your copy of God's Word, or there's going to be some uh, of, of those verses on the screen so you don't have to if you don't want to. But it's a story of a man a rich man, a powerful man, maybe a man like Elon Musk, although that's probably not a fair comparison. In that day and age, uh, it would have been a king probably would have had the most wealth uh, in, that, in that situation. But this man was a royal official. He was a person of wealth. He was a person of influence. And the man desperately was in need of the impossible say, what was wrong? Well, in John 4, it explains that his son was sick. You say, how sick was he? Well, he was close to death. And, and some of us, we think, oh man, our, you know, our kids are sick or you know, whatever. Well, it was a bad situation because in that culture, about 50% of kids that were born by the age of five had passed away. And so certainly the threat of death was looming. And this man was desperate. Let's look at verse 47. It says, When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee and in, from Judea, he went to him, and look at the desperation here. He begged him to come and to heal his son, who was close to death. You say, well, what was Jesus' response? Jesus says, unless you people see a sign and wonder, you will never believe. And it's almost like Jesus gives a flippant answer. He kind of is uh, brushing the guy off. But look what happens. The royal official, a second time, comes to him again and pleads with him. And he says this, sir, please come down before my child dies. We read into that. A desperate, 
impossible situation. He's facing an impossibility, but he had heard about Jesus. In fact, when you study that scripture, it's likely that this royal official was in Cana when Jesus turned water into wine just a few chapters earlier. He was probably uh, within or certainly had heard about that or saw Jesus turn water into wine. And after the second plea, what does Jesus say? He says, look, go, your son will live. Jesus spoke the words of life. And the guy takes Jesus at his word, and he heads home. And on the next day, on his way home, his servants come to meet him, and they said, look, your son has made a turn for the better. And, and, and they said, they made the, the, the connection that at the exact time when Jesus said, go, your son will live, that's when his son started to get better. A miracle happened. And then at the end of the story, in John chapter 4, there's something here that says that the man and his whole household believed in Jesus. That means his family, his servants, they all turned to Jesus because of what Jesus did for his son. Now, why has this story been on the forefront of my mind and in my heart? It's not a Christmas story. I get that. But it does have within it the gift of of a miracle, an impossible situation, and Jesus meeting a serious need. A wealthy man, a powerful man, again, it didn't matter how much money he had when his son was sick, that was a huge priority. Just think about it. If Elon Musk, you know, the rich, one of the richest men in the world, if his family member was sick and sick to the point of death, nothing else matters. It, he wouldn't be caring about what's happening with Tesla or with SpaceX or anything like that. His family would be a priority. And that's the same for all of us. And sometimes when your family is sick or struggling or maybe you're facing an impossible impossible situation, nothing else matters. And in the story, this guy, this royal official, takes a 17 to 18 mile journey to come and track down Jesus. And then once he sees Jesus, he interrupts what's happening and he asks for the impossible. He asks for a miracle. And actually, he asked Jesus to inconvenience himself and his team and to make a day's journey back to where his son was. That's what this guy thought was uh, the, the way that he would get his miracle. But Jesus met the need right on the spot, and we see something here that I want us to all understand and learn and really embrace today is that when you need a miracle, go to Jesus. When you need a miracle, go to Jesus. Don't be afraid to ask Jesus for a miracle. Don't be afraid to ask him to go 18 miles. Uh, don't be afraid to, to give the big asks. And I want to just ask you, what do you need to ask for this year? What seems to be impossible in your life that you could come to Jesus and believe God to do the impossible, to touch you? See, I believe that when you need a miracle, you go to Jesus And once you've asked, then you believe God's word, and you don't believe your worry or your fear. God's word, when Jesus speaks, it will happen. God, he makes a way. 
because he is God. Jesus is God. And you can settle that in your heart. Jesus did not need proximity, and that's one of the reasons I picked this story. We'll talk about that in a second. And the issue, though, is that you have to believe what Jesus says. Listen, when you need a miracle, go to Jesus. And it's interesting that your belief will affect those closest to you. In the story, the the man, his family, and his friends, his servants, all turned to Jesus. And can I just speak to those that have families, and maybe you're even with your family right now, parents, this is how it works. Your kids need to see you pray. Your kids need to hear your faith. They need to hear and see your love for God and for his word. And they need to see you and your family. When you need a miracle, you need to run to Jesus. So again, what are you in need of today? What seems impossible in your life? Church, we serve a God that meets our needs. We've said this season that the greatest gift is meeting needs, and the gift of God meets our needs. What's on your Christmas wish list this year? It doesn't take proximity. I know that we're online, and if you were here, we might be able to pray with you, put our hand on our shoulder, or pray with you at the altar. That's not a possibility this year. But just like this man believed that Jesus, when he spoke the word, that his need was met even 18 miles away, the same can happen over the Internet, over Facebook Live. Are you wishing for a new job this year? And you think it's impossible for God to move in that way? Are you wishing that you hadn't burned bridges in your life? And you're saying, man, I've made some mistakes and uh, I need another chance. Are you wishing for a financial miracle? Have you risked it all? Maybe you bet the farm and things didn't work out and now you're in trouble. Maybe your reputation has been tainted this year. Maybe you've said something or you've done something and you've been exposed. Maybe you've lost respect along the way. What is the need in your life? Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you need forgiveness. And we talked about that. And there's just the last thing on your mind or the last thing that would uh, describe your family is peaceful. Maybe you're scared and you need another chance. You need forgiveness. My guess is there's kids that are watching even with your family now and you wish that your parents would stop fighting. Or there's moms that are wishing that their sons would turn back to Jesus. And whatever the need is, it all seems impossible. It seems like it's an impossibility. It seems like it's such a far-fetched thing to even think about. And then think about healing. Maybe you are here and you're listening and you're saying, man, I need a physical touch from the Lord, just like in our story. Well, church, can I remind us that we serve a God that heals In fact, one of God's names is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God loves to heal his people. And all we have to do is come to him and ask. What should our response be? It should be to come and to come again. It's interesting that in our story in John chapter 4, the man had to ask Jesus two times, for the healing of his son. 
There's another story in, John, or in Luke chapter 18, the story of the persistent widow. In Luke 18, verses 6 through 8, we see a woman that's looking for justice, right? She comes before the judge, and the first time, she is refused, kicked out. The second time she comes, she's refused again, and then it says that for some time, she would come and come again, and she didn't get justice, But she did not stop asking, and eventually the unjust judge gives her justice just because she was persistent. She kept coming to the Lord. She kept praying for a miracle. She kept believing for the impossible. She kept coming. And if I've got a word for you today, and you might be saying, boy, I've prayed for a healing before, and God hasn't touched me. What, what, what can we do with that, right? Well, listen, you come again. It's like a snowball. Every time that you pray, every time it turns over, it gets more snow, and that little tiny ball turns into something that is significant. Come again. And if you're concerned about proximity, you're saying, well, if we could just go to church, someone would lay their hands on me and pray for me. Look, that's not what happened in John chapter 4. Jesus spoke the word. They believed, and the son was healed. And the same can happen for you. Your impossibility, when you cry out to Jesus, becomes possible, no matter what it is. And today, being online, yes, it's a frustration. No one thought that 2020 Christmas, we'd still be online. But today, we're here. And in just a moment, we're going to partake in communion. And I, so, several of you are prepared to do that. You could pause the stream, go get some elements, and uh, come back and certainly participate. But church, I am convinced that today... God wants to meet our needs. And in the process, he wants us to grow in our character as well and in our understanding of who he is. See, in the book of Acts, I've been challenged by this thought. Pastor Bobby and I have talked about this, that Acts chapter 2, we see this beautiful picture of the church. The church was together. They were together all the time. They would eat together. They would sleep, or yeah, they'd probably sleep together, but they would pray together. There was teaching going on day by day. They would break bread, and they would care for one another and talk about let's meet needs. They were selling property to pay for other people, and it was a beautiful picture. And sometimes we say let's be the church, the Acts 2 church. You've probably heard that. But one thing that Bobby and I were saying is that in this season, with the reality of where we are, we are really experiencing more of the Acts 8 church. The Acts 8 church was scattered. They went to their homes. They didn't go to the temple as much because of the persecution. And people were dying for their faith. And now, in our circumstances, we've been scattered. We're all in our homes. But we can be the church, the Acts 8 church today, believing for miracles. This last week, I 
reviewed the entire book of Acts just as a way of kind of strengthening my faith. And when you look at the supernatural at work in the book of Acts, what we notice is that it, most of the time, God does not heal people or in the temple. Most of the miracles, most of the supernatural work happened in the streets, in people's homes. And I encourage you, just to flip through Scripture and you'll see. They believed for miracles and God met them in their homes on the street when they met together as families or friends. And I just believe that today as we partake in communion over the waves, <laughs> that God is going to meet our needs. God wants to work in our lives. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you to get these elements ready. I should open this in advance. I'm struggling a little bit. Got it. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. When we come to communion, there's three things that we talk about. Three things that we should remember. And it's really based out of God's Word. And, and I, I want us to, to go to God's Word. 1 Corinthians it says this in chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And I just where you are, as you hold the element of communion, the bread that represents the body of Christ, and he says this, he broke it, and then he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right where you are, I'm just asking you to just thank the Lord for the body of Christ, a body that was given to torture, to death on the cross, and that all was for you. And so just thank the Lord for the body of Christ this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, God. And would you partake of the body together? And the second component here, it says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we look within. We say, Lord, how am I doing? Uh, cleanse my heart. We look at the sacrifice of Jesus' body, his blood that was shed for us, that covers our sin. And then we also, it says here, we look forward, we remember, we remember that Jesus is coming again. And with all of that, let's just thank the Lord for the blood of Jesus this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And would you partake in that blood together? Hallelujah. 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 Praise your name. And as we have just partake, partook these elements, I'm not sure that's a word, but I believe that in this moment that God wants to meet your needs. And right where you are, whatever your needs are, I'm going to encourage you to ask the Lord to heal you, to, to restore you, to do a mighty work in your life, to believe for the impossible. We, in these next few moments, are going to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to believe together 
for the impossible. The gift of a miracle is available for you. Thank you, Lord. God, you are a God of the impossible. And Lord, today I pray as we have reached out in faith, asking you to touch our circumstances, as we've addressed the needs in our own lives, and we've asked, Lord, for you to move, for you to touch. Lord, we now, we depart knowing that you are working on our behalf. Just like in the story in John chapter 4, the man left Jesus. He started his journey home trusting that what Jesus said would happen. And so, Lord, right now, we just embrace your grace, your wonder of the season. This Christmas, we believe, Lord, that you are working in our families. You're working in our physical bodies. Lord, you're healing, you're touching. Lord, you're working in relationships. Lord, you're working out the details of our lives. Even the things that seem so far-fetched, it would just be a wish. But Lord, you make all things. And Lord, according to your will, we pray that you would be meeting the needs of your people. Lord, we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen and amen and amen. Church, you can walk by faith knowing that Jesus has heard your cry, heard your prayer. And I just want to encourage you that if you've shared a need on the feed uh, on this, that we would be lifting each other up praying. Because we see over and over in Scripture the persistent, the keep on knocking idea. We pray until there's breakthrough. We pray and it builds like a snowball until the Lord one day will touch your need. And so don't give up. Let's believe that God is working and he's moving in our lives. One last thing, I'm holding a candle in my hand here today. These are the candles that are available for you to pick up on Tuesday afternoon. And for you and for your family, for your uh, neighbors, for your uh, co-workers, um, we encourage you uh, to get those and be prepared for our Christmas Eve service. We are going to be talking about the Christmas story, and it's going to be a really special time. And there's going to be a candlelight moment. We want you to be prepared and ready to participate over the airways. And, and it'll bring us together in, in a really cool way. And so we want to encourage you to be uh, inviting people, uh, joining us. Our goal is to see a 1,000 people join us for our Christmas Eve. And I believe, talk about something impossible, that, that seems a little impossible, but I believe with God's help, we can see 1,000 people touched and their lives changed. And really, the perspective of the message for Christmas Eve is a, a, the idea that we don't see what God is doing, but God is on the move. It's really a tailored fit uh, response from today's message, and I'm excited for that. Without further ado, let me pray a prayer of benediction, and we'll say goodbye. Lord, we thank you for what you've done this morning. For those that have tuned in, whether at 9 o'clock here or 11 o'clock here or they've tuned in later, God, I pray that your power 
will have made its way into their room, into their car, into their situation. And Lord, I pray that our faith would be strong to believe in you. And Lord, I pray that you would provide us with the great gift of forgiveness, the gift of another chance, and the gift of a miracle. Lord, we believe in miracles. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, all around us, whatever our week has in front of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.